Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. I'm Allison Sullivan, and this is a podcast about sometimes saving the world and sometimes just surviving in it. In the next hour or so, we will nurture our friendships, explore our joy, shake our fists, all while trying to serve our God, and most likely, all while wearing pajamas. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Center Saint Sister. In Romans 10.15, Paul says, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. To God, there is nothing more beautiful than feet that carry the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether it is across the sea or across the street, have your feet brought good news to someone recently? The word beautiful in Hebrew is naha, and it doesn't mean pretty or cute. What it actually means is befitting, becoming, or perfectly appropriate. Beautiful feet bring good news because it is what they are supposed to do. And the world needs Jesus. God's command to us is to go and make disciples, and it's not a suggestion. It's not optional. If you have feet and are a child of God, then they are expected to bring good news. You are expected to go. Evangelization is our purpose. I think it's possible we get hung up in sharing the good news. I have a few ideas about why. The first one, I don't think many of us think we're equipped. I'll just leave that to somebody who who speaks better than me, somebody who writes better than me, someone who likes people more than me, somebody who people like more than me, somebody who's more talented me, someone who's more gregarious than me, just anyone other than me, really, would be good. But God uses the ill-equipped on purpose. And you are perfectly equipped in your ill-equippedness. The ill-equipped are perfectly equipped because it's not about us. It's about God. And this is how he proves it. Our God, the creator of the universe, uses fleshly man to relay his gospel message. Yes, our God has entrusted the work of bringing people to him through the lives of those who follow him. Imperfect, flawed, mistake-prone people are God's chosen vessels. It's an awesome responsibility that has been delegated to us. So whatever your hang-ups, whatever your history, whatever your hiccups, you are equipped just as you are. There's a quick story that probably falls into the overshare category. Right after I had our last baby, I walked into my bathroom and I saw maxi pads stuck all over my window. There were like 20 of them. So I called my oldest two children into the bathroom and they proudly exclaimed, Mommy, we found airplanes with wings and they're sticky. If you do not know what something is, if you don't identify it correctly then all you can do is misuse it. And friends, we are a masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's masterpiece and that he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. And the Greek word translated as masterpiece is poema. And it means a work made by God. We derive our English word poem from this word. So I think it's kind of fun to think of myself as God's beautiful poem. And I think you should too. Because masterpieces, poems, they're well thought out. They don't happen on accident. They're on purpose. I am not by chance or on accident. 
I was divinely inspired. You are divinely inspired. And God decided that this little slice of history is the part of his story that needs you and your gifts in it. And he made you to do it. He thought about you and what he wanted you to do. And then he decided that there's no better time for you to be born with your unique gifts, talents, skills, and personality that he wrote out perfectly in his poem. He has put you right where he wants you. And thoughtfully, God has gifted you in unique ways and they're yours. Unfortunately, most of us don't really believe that we're masterpieces. And when we don't believe that we're masterpieces, we believe lies instead that tell us that we're too much or that we're not enough or that we deserve our hurts. And we focus so intently on our deficiencies that we convince ourselves that God couldn't or wouldn't use us. But the truth is that we just haven't grasped who we are. And because we haven't grasped who we are, a masterpiece, we focus on all that we're not instead of what we are. But there's no way to live out our true purpose that way. Back to maxi pads. If you don't know what something is, if you don't identify it correctly, then all you can do is misuse it. His burden is light. And I think it's possible that we're forcing ourselves to do the wrong things, chase the wrong gifts, gifts that aren't ours. There are things that we are called to do. There are delightful ways that we can serve that make us feel more like us. And this is where we shine. Friends, do you believe that you are gifted? Because I do. I wholeheartedly do. And if you don't, I so wish that I was in your pack so that I could help you discover it. Because I think that one of my gifts is helping other people find their gifts. And the way that I've been pointing people that I love lately to their gifts is by asking them, is there anything that if you haven't done it in a while, you get a little grumpy? When my husband hasn't had a chance to run in a while, he gets antsy. If I haven't had a chance to sit and be alone and read and write, it feels like there's a cat clawing to get out. My dad needs to be outside and fix something broken. My best friend needs to entertain in her kitchen. My mom needs to decorate something. My spiritual director needs to plant something. I had a sorority sister who needed to buy something. Wait, what? (laughs) Yeah, shopping for the Lord. My sorority sister. I want to tell you a story about her. It taught me a big lesson about giftings and talents. This friend and I hadn't seen each other in about 15 years, and we were at a reunion for our sorority, and we were catching up like no time had passed, and she was confessing what she had been through over the last several years of her life, which I knew none of. Her marriage was in shambles. They weren't even living together at the time. She was working in a career that was unfulfilling, and I don't think they had any children, and she felt at odds in every aspect of her life. Simply nothing at the time was making any sense. And then she started explaining to me how she's always been interested in fashion, trends, things that were flashy and beautiful. At first, this seemed like an interesting shift in our conversation, but she explained that her whole life, she let others around her make her feel materialistic for having such shallow interests. And frankly, she agreed with them. She beat herself up for it. Nobler pursuits, that was the obvious answer. And she spun her wheels doing what she thought she should until one day, after a terrible fight with her husband, she called her small group at church to come pray over her. She felt desperate. Something had to give. So they got together and they prayed. And when they finished praying, someone said, while we were praying, I had a vision. They encouraged her to share her vision. And she said, well, it doesn't mean anything to me, but I saw a big gray cloud, almost black. And stepping down out of that cloud was a shoe. And my friend put her face in her hands and she said, what kind of shoe was it? And her friend answered, well, I can't be completely sure, but it definitely had a high heel. She said she knew it. (laughs) 
In the vision at that time, it made perfect sense to my friend because she felt that the Lord was pushing her to embrace her interests, her gifts. She felt him telling her that he had plans for her, plans that she could not foresee. And then, as we talked, she spent the next 10 minutes explaining her new business to me with such joy, such light-hearted joy. She said, Allison, all day every day I sit with women in one of their most vulnerable places, their closet. And I can't tell you how many women I have held and cried with as we do so much more than edit her closet. I had no idea that the Lord could actually make this shallow interest of mine a ministry, but that is exactly what he has done. Evangelization. Sharing the good news. Telling the world about the love of Christ. It's simply about love and embracing our gifts. It's how we're going to love the best. You have no idea what the Lord can turn into a ministry if you just bring him along with you as you chase what he has gifted you to do. I was talking to my spiritual advisor about how I feel led to writing, but I feel a little burdened by how I'm not sure I do it all that well. And she said, Allison, life comes to you in words. That's what makes you a writer. Who cares if it's any good? And with that, I picked up my pace and I finished a book that I never thought I could write. It's possible that I only have one book in me, but I do know that I won't ever quit writing. And I can't quite explain that. It's just what I do. It's just who I am. It's who I've always been. It's how life comes to me. And I have finally just decided to quit arguing with it. I was responsible for crafting everyone's love letters in elementary school. And then their breakup letters in junior high. I think in blog posts, I try to make my grocery list rhyme. For better or worse, I love words. I love to write. It calms a restlessness that I've never been able to put my finger squarely on. I steal moments to do it. I stay up late trying to do it well. And when I daydream of a perfect day, it always includes creating something written. I feel led to it. Even at very inconvenient times when I would rather sleep or watch TV or finish a book. I've crawled out of bed in the middle of the night to jot down some ideas because I found that it's then that I am the least judgmental of the words that crawl out. With a baby in my arms and a toddler on my lap and cups of juice dangerously close, I have henpecked one-handed words that seem to want to be written. I've paused in the middle of labor, baby-producing labor, in order to tell a story that I think needs told. I write because I feel like I'm supposed to, and I'm not sure we can choose for ourselves that which we are supposed to do. It's just who he made me. And I've decided I can't tell him anything new about me, but instead he can tell me new things about myself. He is the original writer. And I explain all of this to help us all answer that question. What did he make you to do? What do you enjoy? Even if it doesn't make any sense, can we quit arguing with it? Can we just take a step out in faith and do it? And see what he does with it? Because this is evangelization. It's nothing more complicated than embracing our gifts, offering them up, and loving people with them. But embracing our gifts, it targets something broken in all of us because our tendencies are to disbelieve or to be insecure or to be selfish or to hoard. But our feet, bringing good news, it's what they are supposed to do. And I have found no greater peace than being used by God, doing what I love doing. No greater freedom than being exactly who God made me to be. From the book of 1 Peter, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as God's varied grace. 
This is my friend Sarah. Sarah approaches life with skill, intelligence, knowledge, and craftsmanship, stewarding all talents entrusted to her to serve others. A beautiful example of God's varied grace. Hi, Sarah Martin. Hey. How's it going? Oh, it's so good to be with you. <laughs> I'm glad that you're here. We've been trying to make this happen for a long time. Yeah, I'm glad but that it did. All finally. Stars aligned. Yeah. Um, so we're here to talk about creativity, and this is one of my favorite conversations because I feel like one of my gifts is helping other people find their gifts. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I don't know what that gift is. Like, I love sitting down with people and kind of sifting through, yeah. like, what do you love? Yeah. What are you willing to lose sleep for? What, if you haven't done it in a while, it makes you grumpy. Uh-huh. You know, like, there's, like, these facilitating questions that's like, I want to yeah. help you live artfully and yeah. joyfully. Yeah, that's cool. So. Yeah, I think you're a facilitator. Like, you ask questions, you go deeper, you ask the second and third questions. Yeah. Well, thank you. A coach. You are living artfully and joyfully, and I want to talk about it. I want to talk you. all about it. You have written a book. And you are painting wildly. I, I own one. This is, oh, this is the room that I want to put it in. Oh, yeah. Do you remember fun. when I said I had a girly space? Yes. And I wanted- <laughs> yes. Yes. We, we won't go there, but yes, this is the room. Um, I'm yes. so, this is exciting. Yeah. So you are just a beautiful artist. You're speaking all over the place. You're writing a ton online. Vibrant Life. Those are Bible studies. Yes. Uh-huh. Online. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll talk more about each of these things um, in more detail. But my point is that you're doing all sorts of things to shine your light bright. So I have questions for you. Awesome. About Shoot your them. creative processes. Okay. Okay. What does being create? Oh, well, I want to back up. Yeah. When did you know that you were an artist? When did you define yourself as an artist? Well, so that's funny that you say that because when I kind of do my like official like bio um, on things like this, I always say I'm a wife, a mom, a friend, an author, a speaker. And then I say, and I want to be artist. And I say that kind of tongue in cheek, but it's also kind of to keep myself just maybe a little bit humble, to keep myself kind of off balance because I'm such a type A that if I called myself an artist, it would have to become a thing. And for it to become a thing, it would have to be a business. I'd have to have an Etsy, a website, business cards. <laughs> I mean, just full on, like mm-hmm. a full on thing. That's just how I'm wired. So the artist thing is kind of a outlet, like it usually is for most people. And so I first define myself as that. I was never the kid that was the artsy one. My sister and my mom were the creatives. Mm. My mom um, designed women's clothes back in Mm. the 80s and 90s. And Mm. my sister was the creative one. And I was always just the very like, you know, straight and narrow thought process one. And so I think it was when I was trying, I don't even know how I stumbled upon it, but I was I stumbled upon some online classes. That's how I do my art. I do them online because it just is an easy way to do it. And um, I stumbled upon this class and I started figuring out it was a space where nobody was talking about book marketing. Nobody was talking about edits for your book. Nobody was talking about uh, networking and and book uh, numbers and things that you all you had to do as an author to keep up in that book world and the publishing world. And so I was like, nobody's talking about this. This is fantastic. It's like, it's, it's a complete escape. Mm. And, um, so it really started to be a real private thing for me. I Mm. maybe would, it was called, it's called art journaling is what I started out with where you, you take either sketchbooks or you reconstruct books and you do paint and art in a book or in a sketchbook, not necessarily on a canvas to go put up on a wall. Um, that's where I kind of just really what I fell into was a private thing. And it really wasn't until 
I got a hold of Instagram and started realizing that you had a pretty pictures mm. to get people's attention to then read your words. <laughs> then I was like, huh, I could start making this a more public thing. Um, so then again, it, that there is always that risk of making it into a business yeah. or creating just for the sake of Instagram, Sure. which we, I think we'll get into that later, but yeah. so yeah, so this isn't always, so hold been... on. Were you feeling fatigued with like writing the book and the publishing world? Is that why you mentioned? Oh yeah. The book so stuff? I was on my first book getting ready to start my second book. And so I had gone through the first process knowing what I was walking into the second, yeah. second book. And I just, I needed my brain to shut off that area of just that pressure. Production. uh, Production, exactly. I needed color therapy. I needed, you know, I needed just to have some fun. Yeah. And so... um, Isn't that interesting, though, that it can become a slippery slope from doing what you enjoy? Because I imagine that you started writing a book because you enjoy writing. Oh, absolutely. And then it turns into a business. And you started, what'd you call it? Journaling? What? It's called art journaling. Art journaling. You start art journaling and then it, you know, so I think that... Totally. And by the way, I really relate to the idea of I'm either 100% or no, I'm good. Right. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Like, I don't... But... I really think that it's very healthy and holy endeavor to avoid these really um, intense labels of distinction. Yeah. So yeah. so it can be more relaxed. The yes. title of artist can be more relaxed. The title title of writer can be more relaxed. Right. Are you writing? Then you're a writer. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> you know, are you producing art in some way? Then you're then an you're artist. artist. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I, I think I'm a, I'm a very black and white person mm-hmm. um, as I've hit my 40s. Um, I, that's kind of, I'm finding more gray and I'm learning to embrace the gray. And so <laughs> that has been a, a, a growth point for me. Yeah. Of that, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Yes. Um, I feel like these loose labels of distinction, what it does is it allows plenty of room for all of us because I yeah. really firmly believe that we're all artists. Yeah. We're, we're, we're creative people because we were created by a creator. Totally. And so I heard this quote once and I, I love it. And it says the only difference between someone who calls themselves an artist and someone who doesn't is audacity. Mm-hmm. And so I love the idea of, of living an audacious life. Like I just, I want to experience everything. I don't have to be perfect in order for this to, to matter or for me to right. enjoy doing it. Yeah. Can we I, talk about perfection for a minute? Yeah. Cause I was just going to say there's a little level of vulnerability sure. with that. And that goes with the perfection. And yeah. I, I think that maybe what you're talking about with that word audacity is that, you have to be like, screw everyone else. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this out there. I don't yeah. care what people think. It brought me joy. I know it's gonna bring somebody else joy. Yeah. Might not be everybody's cup of tea. Right. But I'm gonna do it anyway. Yes. Um. And so that I, in in my mind, that's how I would define that audacity. But I think where people fall short in that all or nothing is that um, they're not willing to put it out there, but before it's ready, or even yes. or the the level of perfection that they're looking for. Um, stalls them out or the level of perfection that they think is expected to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there's a that kind of perceived expectation even yeah. though the world's expectation of your art isn't mm-hmm. what, what you even perceive that they expect. It's like this right, weird right. weird circle yeah. and then you get stalled out and um, I see that in my writing. I've stalled out a lot in my writing. Um, yeah, I'm the queen of that. So yeah. There's this, I my dear friend Amy Garcia she was talking about the idea of, you might know, know about this because you're an artist, like a, a painting artist, 
Um, but she was talking about how her friend was trying to promote something that she had written. So she was making a painting to go along with something that she had written. And she was posting to bring awareness to it. She was posting the stages of her painting. Yeah. And it was an oil painting. And so the very first stage, it's called an underpinning. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was hideously ugly, says my friend Amy. Which is the point of it. Yeah, that's the (laughs) point. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it usually is. And so she posts this and Amy's like, is this wise? Like, was this well thought out? Was this a good idea? And so the next day, it's a little more. And the next day is a little more. And really, you're kind of experiencing the slow work of God mm-hmm. in this this creative work. And by the end, it is absolutely gorgeous. And I feel like so many times, we can insist on final drafts. Because we just, only usually see final drafts. That's right. And so we're comparing with Instagram, with social media, we're comparing our rough drafts to people's final drafts. Totally. We're comparing our middles to people's finished products. And yeah. it's not fair to anybody. Right, right. I love that the artist was so um, committed to the process mm-hmm. and knew the process and the value of that process to then expose herself yeah. like that. Isn't it and great? That, yeah, that's I have cool. such a desire to be understood perfectly. I yeah. would have to say, if I were going to post something ugly that I knew was ugly, I would have to say, okay, but, but. Just so you know. <laughs> Just so you know, I know this is ugly and there's more coming tomorrow, you know. So, but uh, yeah, but I think, I think perfection is a really big monkey wrench in the, in the wheel of, of your creative processes. Yeah. I mean, I see it every day. I have to fight my, fight my own flesh in that. Sure. um, To keep myself. Not to mention, you know, yeah, there's, there's the real thing that we're comparing not our best work to someone else's like very best work. Also. There are people who are better than you. Well, that's true. And, <laughs> and yeah, that's I mean, okay. That's a fact. I mean, that's a fact of life. We can't, I mean, we're not going to be the best at everything. It's a humbling thing too. Mm-hmm. I think people, if, if we can um, sit with a rough draft and realize that the importance of that rough draft to um, our growth and to the, what, you, what we call the process in anything, there's a process, but that rough draft is a start and not everybody takes that start and it's a, mm-hmm. it's brave to even start the rough draft. Mm-hmm. Um, and so therefore there's that level of vulnerability too, yeah. because yeah. take, even taking that first step and getting your pen or getting your fingertips primed on your laptop, just a mm-hmm. brain dump. Um, I've found a, a great first way in my writing. Um, if you want to talk about process right now, mm-hmm. but sure. just as far as like rough draft. So what I've been doing is because I'm, I've, I've made even the concept of rough draft so formal, yeah. Uh, even like in my head, it's the rough draft. And then what gets on the first, you know, sheet of the laptop is more of like a second or third because that's sure. how much in my head I am. And so what I've been doing is I've just been getting blank pieces of paper because uh-huh. I usually do. I used, this is what I used to do. I used to take notes in my notebook that would then be kept for future reference. And so therefore those thoughts needed to be perfectly laid out so then they could be used later potentially or for other, just for reference and so therefore I was editing myself even in that and it was just a composition notebook yeah and so I was like okay we've got I've got to stop this is totally a a roadblock here so I literally because it was bound it was because it was bound that's the deal it's like this feels permanent exactly (laughs) nothing ugly can go in notebook even though I'm just a sucker for just a composition notebook it doesn't even have to be a pretty bind or journal Uh Uh so what I started doing is if I have a project or I've just been doing this on the regular and this is a whole other creative process that like Julia Cameron talked about with morning pages so I took the morning pages concept and 
I'll, I do a lot of my morning pages stuff as prayer journals, which she doesn't necessarily talk about that, but I use the whole idea of brain dumping, mm-hmm. but I've even done that for my writing. So mm-hmm. I'll literally get computer paper mm-hmm. and it has no lines. Mm-hmm. It has no binding. Yeah. And I sit here and I, if you know, it's, if it's stuff I'm writing about scripture, I'm, I literally talk to the Lord about it. Like, Lord, what do, what, what do we got going here? This is my confusion. This is where I don't understand. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm loving. Yeah. This is what I'm excited about. And I just brain dump that way. And, um, and then I can pull and highlight out of that and then start it somewhere else. Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's informal. It's informal enough that's that exactly. allows you in my head. It's not constrictive. Right. It's good. Yeah. So, um, okay. You mentioned two things earlier, both of which I want to go deeper into, but you, you talked about exposing yourself when you create, you give people an invitation when you create and put it out there for mm-hmm. consumption, for other people to see, there is now an invitation for people to either ignore it, celebrate it, or criticize it. Mm-hmm. Of those, you have, you have kind of a mean no, <laughs> and then you have a nice no, and then you have a maybe yes, and then you have a heck yes, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you allow people to make a judgment on on what you just experienced and decided to put out there. How do you know which voices to cling to and which voices to not? Well, so I have to give a full disclosure. So in that situation, to me, the way I define exposing and what is exposing to me is the lack of accolades. So it's just my personality type. Like if I don't get the, the, the mean stuff, Maybe I just haven't put myself out there in enough of a crazy way or awesome way, you know, then you're going to have haters. Maybe I just haven't gotten that far. (laughs) But I, that exposure is, will people like this? Will they celebrate this? Well, and I know that this is totally this human side of me that the Lord has really been peeling back over the last several years. It's why I had to take a break from writing. Hmm. The voices that I listen to are obviously, you know, the, the good Christian girl answer would be, the um the Lord, <laughs> the Holy Spirit, but then also partnering with that, I have late found so much satisfaction when I am creating, especially more in my writing because I've studied this more. But creating for someone, so mm-hmm. who am I writing to is such an important question. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're not writing for ourselves if we're called to serve with our writing. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we do have satisfaction in that, but if you're serving somebody with your writing, it is for a particular person. And so, um, if you hear any marketing type things, you have to really niche down who you're writing to, which is super valuable because it gives you a person to visualize a, a need to meet Mm-hmm. and a heart to speak to. Mm-hmm. And so um, I could be, in these days because of social media, you get these quick responses. Mm-hmm. So the voices that I listen to, the situations that I listen to or who is responding back, is it that person that I wrote, wrote for? Mm, that's good. And if it is, yes. If it's somebody else, that's awesome too. Mm-hmm. But I find so much gratitude. If I only got five likes, you know, because we talk about likes these days in social sure. media, that's how we, that's our metrics, uh, especially because social media is so easy to just pour, you know, pour things out in a quick manner. So if I got, for the sake of a conversation, five likes and each one of them were the gal that I know, because I can tell from her profile, I can tell from her, you know, who I know of her anyway, maybe it's a personal friend. 
if she responded and I know that that spoke to her, she responded back in a certain way and said, this is why it spoke to me. Then it, if it was only five people, it is a win because that's, that was the goal. Right. I'm not saying that, that, that this has always been the case for me. Right. Again, it's why I had to take a break from yeah. writing. Um, but the Lord has really matured me in that view of, no, this is this is who this is for. Again, it's that serving heart yeah. with with your even your creativity. So yeah. we can't always make it about us. Yeah, um, I was talking again, Amy Garcia. <laughs> um, one of I my favorite. She's I, awesome. She's wonderful. One of my favorite artists for sure. Um, but I was talking with her about how I had a humbling realization. This was on a mini episode. Um, so if you're not a patron, head over to Patreon and search Allison Sullivan to become a patron, and you can hear many episodes, but this is a mini episode. And she said, um, I, I, we were talking about appearance and we were talking a little bit about, I had said I had a humbling realization that the confidence that I had or the amount of confidence that I had, I had realized was perhaps misguided because it was confidence from outside voices. So that to me still felt like a false confidence. Like, yeah. oh, I feel confident, but it's from all these outside voices or affirmations yeah. or whatever. Well, that's still a false confidence. That's true, yeah. That's and so, I, yeah, I mean, I thought that was interesting. And she was like, mm, I don't know about that. Because, I mean, my husband's an outside voice. And I can be, you know, in a glittery dress with my hair done and, and eyelashes on. Or I can be delivering a baby and in both instances, when he tells me I'm beautiful, I believe him. Yeah. You know? And so I thought that was so interesting that just because it's from an outside voice doesn't completely discredit it. Because I was like, I just need to know my identity in the Lord, which I'm not, <laughs> I don't mean to mock that. I mean, we do. Right. But I think that there is something to having an inner circle of people where it's like, your opinion really matters. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Um, And it's people that you've built that trust and you have history Mm -hmm. it's where you go wrong with it's the masses or it's those people that you if if well if they say yes that's I have arrived right yeah so I mean I would I agree with that I think for me it's a lot of that inner dialogue to get to that place of I'm I'm listening to that inner like that that smaller circle that you mentioned there is that inner dialogue of um, from with the Lord of you. You are positioned. You are created for this. You are called for this, and letting Him speak to that, and that trickles out. So I, I'd say both and to what you just said. Yeah, you and I both love Donald Miller, and oh, yeah. I found this quote the other day, and it says, "If you fear the critics, you'll never tell the truth, and if you don't tell the truth, you'll never change the world." Mm-hmm. And I think so much of creating is just telling your own personal truth, mm-hmm. and if we are constantly trying to sidestep. Um, either um, insults or criticism or, or silence even. Yeah, the silence is a thing for sure. Yeah. Well, so, okay. So have you ex- have you come up against silence? Have you come up against people that you thought would be celebrating yeah. your creations that aren't? Yeah, no, I think that silence is a real thing because, first of all, um, you know, I, I guess to backtrack, I, I ran into that a lot with, with my first book. I mean, I had friends that didn't even bother to pick up my book. Sure. You know, and I'm like, yeah. I just birthed the baby and you're not going to come kiss my baby. I right, mean, yeah. you know, like yeah. that's a, that's how it feels. Right. Um, and, but for someone who's never had a baby before, right, right. They know? don't see and that. So. They don't see the, they don't understand. So I think, and I was talking to a friend about this. <clears throat> she's a creative too. And she's a, one that communicates and puts herself out there a lot. And 
we both were kind of lamenting that there are times where we do what we think is super, I mean, it is super important, but we also internalize it as super important to our um, a project or a, 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 a speaking event or whatever. Super important to us because we've laid our life on the line. Like we've laid yeah. our heart on the line. Yeah. And our friends don't get excited about it. Or don't show. Or don't or, show. Yeah. Or don't get excited. Yeah. Um, and so I was talking to her just because I've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing this for 10 years. And I've been through that place where the, the people don't show. And the the best thing I can do to reconcile that is to just realize that, A, people are into themselves. Yes. Yes. They're <laughs> people into are themselves. doing their own thing. They're doing their own thing for better or worse. Yeah. I mean, it could be a number of reasons. If they aren't in that world of communicating, of publishing, of art, of and they don't know people, if they can't relate, they don't try to relate. It's just human nature, and I think it's just the, the, the way of our society these days. Like, they yeah. don't ask the second questions or don't relate. There's nothing wrong with, if they're your good friends, sharing with them, hey, yeah. this is really important to me. Yeah. This is really important to me. If you can come, it would mean so much. This is why it's important to me. Yeah. And most likely, those friends will appreciate that, and yeah. they will support you yeah. if they understood. Yeah. We can't assume that they understand exactly. your creative journey or yeah. your um, project or the magnitude yeah. of what it means to you. Mm-hmm. Um, again, because people are into themselves. Yeah. I mean, along with whatever it is that you've created, you've also created vulnerability, especially um, when, when you put it out there, and there's a neediness component to vulnerability. Oh yeah. I mean, I feel needy right now. Neediness, which of course is completely countercultural. And so I know it's the last thing I want to be anyway. And rightly put though, neediness can be a holy thing. I feel needy for the Lord. That's good. But when we feel needy for the praise of man, when we expect the praise of man, then things can get complicated really quick because it will number one, likely not ever be enough. And number two, the Lord is way too kind to ever let us depend on that girl they aren't faithful (laughs) yeah so he's likely to let us continue to be burned by that expectation or desiring 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 that praise of man until we realize that it is only him where we get our definitions oh yeah i feel needy for the lord when i do something that exposes me i feel needy for my friends Mm -hmm. and i the way that i've combated that with the realization that you have also made, um, which is that people are kind of doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got their own projects is, am I supporting their projects? Right. Exactly. You know, so exactly. I'm expecting all these good friends to know exactly how I feel. Am I offering that back? Right. You know? Right. So and creating a culture of ex- uh, or supporting mm-hmm. your other friends and whatever, you know, whatever mm-hmm. they do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's that level of what are you what expectations are we putting on people mm-hmm. without voicing those expectations? Mm-hmm. Because there are people in our lives mm-hmm. that um, we can vo- voice those expectations. Sure, we can say I expect you to show up to yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, and you have valid reasons for that. Yeah, if whether you put your heart and soul and your your soul is lost if they don't show up, that's on you to reconcile that of like how far did you go with that? Yeah. Um, yeah, so it, it is. It's just, you know, creativity and then human nature and people just being human with how even they respond. I also think that being creative can make the people around you feel things. 
So I think that there's a level of freedom when it comes to your creative process and showing it to the world. Mm -hmm. And because we're human, um, I think that watching someone else be creative can make you wish that you were more creative. Yeah. So I, when I published my book, um, there was a, a certain friend with a, a certain reaction and I was talking to my spiritual um, director about it and I was just, I was explaining exactly what had happened and the words that, that, that were exchanged and she stopped me and she said, honey, I, you know, I, I don't know much. I don't know much about this person. But one thing I can tell you for sure is that person is a blocked creative. Mm. And all of a sudden, something in me just softened because I've been a blocked creative. Mm. <laughs> you know, I've been there and wished that I could be doing more. And so I think that if there's a certain level of compassion that we're all just kind of doing the best we can yeah. when it comes to the gifts that we've been given, you know, and, and, and trying not to waste our possessions, the possessions that he's given us. I mean, the parable of the talents is pretty clear. Managing our gifts is no small thing. And we're all just kind of doing the same thing, doing the best we can to manage this well. And we're having feelings about that as we watch other people not waste their possessions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that it's a complicated, totally. creative mess. Totally. <laughs> I, and, and I think what, there's so many layers to what you said, and I 100% agree. And I think some of that is, if it could be some people, what they see you doing, your passion, they're not making space in their own life to do it. And so there might be that level of regret or um, intimidation. Mm-hmm. And um, you can't you can't be responsible for their reaction. Yeah. But it is, I think, as a person who, as someone who wants to serve with their creativity, it is important to show the process, show yeah. the, show the, the depth of work that yes. you go into that. It doesn't, I didn't just wake up like this, Absolutely. like, you know, and, and, and so I work hard. Yeah. I, I work, work hard really for this hard. And, and, and you can too, for your passion yes. too. That's um, so kind. Yeah. But, but you, you also have to make space for that and you have to be vulnerable and utilize the tools that we have, like social media. Like you said, you were talking about that artist and their process, um, so that people aren't just like, wow, it just comes so naturally to her. And they start to um, form that jealousy and and um, the, and all the other fleshy things that come up where, when people start to see their own lack yeah. in your passion. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, yeah, that's well said. Yeah. Um, Beth Moore just put out a post the other day where she said, hey, to all you young speakers, I just want you yeah. to know <laughs> that we have events that flop. <laughs> and I was reading that. I was asked that question at an, it was a, a panel. Uh-huh. And so I was on the panel and someone asked, so do y'all just nail it every time? Uh-huh. And we had just had a beautiful conference. So it was easy to say, okay, this was awesome, but yeah. no, yeah. not ev- the problem is that you can't post about that because someone just invited you or hired you or right. you know what I mean? You can't post about, well, that was a flop because right. the there people, are some sensitivities at you, the end. Yeah. And so I love that she has however many years behind her to be able to say without attachment to these right. venues or people or whatever. Yeah. She has the, you know, that big pool to be like, Hey, there's been some serious misses and there still are. Let's encourage people who feel like they might have something to share and don't quite know where to start. How do you give yourself permission to just go for it? I mean, I don't have the perfect formula for this. I think um, you just have to do it. You just have to do it. And you have to go in with expectation that 
again, like we've been saying this whole time, um, it takes work yeah. and it takes growth and you can't just start with a, start painting like Picasso. Yeah. Although I don't know, Picasso, you could probably <laughs> like do a paint by numbers. Oh, like a Matisse. Um, but my point is, is that you, you have to align your expectations with your level of work that you've put into it or like your level of naivety or like how, how young you are in the process. Yeah. And you have to give yourself that permission. The permission comes in when you give yourself, um, bring down the bar, like let yourself bring down the bar and say, okay, this first time out the gate is not going to be awesome. I think you can, um, you can apply that to any anything. Um, oh, yes. You can apply it to writing. You can apply it to serving, like a, a ministry. You can apply it to a ministry event. You know, you I can... listen back to old episodes, like because my first ten minutes yeah. are little sermons that I give. I listen back to the first episodes, and I'm like, I don't know why anyone listens. I annoy <sighs> the heck out of myself. Yeah, that's different. <laughs> I mean, that's where you have to really say, like, because we get sick of our own our own voices. Oh my goodness. So you gotta give yourself know. slack for that. There's learning places for that and then there's you know, places for growth and then there's places for like it's just me that I can't stand my my own voice. You know, like Well I annoy myself less is what I'm saying. Oh okay. Like, That's good. Like, yeah, totally you've grown. But the thing is is you got started. Yes. You did it. Yes. Like it's you said, okay, to heck with this is I mean this is not going to be glossy to begin with. I know yeah. it's going to serve someone. Yeah. And so that is my, again, yeah. who is it serving? And that has got to be your motivation because that helps you put th- push through that imperfection that is inevitably there. It's so good. Um, and you just got to start. So what's the first thing you can do to start? I don't know. Sometimes when I get in a slump with, you know, on my writing night. So I literally kind of schedule with my husband. Okay. These certain, this night, this week, I'm going to, I'm going to get out my paints and I'm going to, and I'm going to, um, make art. I, I might've said my writing time, but I'm going to get out and I do, I say, I'll do my writing time here, here, maybe do some art on Tuesday night. Um, it's sometimes for me, I'm like, ah, I don't want to do this. I'd rather turn on Friday night lights. <laughs> so what I'll do is, you know, before that even set time, if I have some space, I'll go get out my, um, my, little cup and fill it with water. Hmm. I'll set out my paint. Yeah. I'll no, you know, spray them down. Um, I'll do the little preparation things way ahead of time mm-hmm. so that when that time is, and maybe not everybody works on like a schedule like I do. And if you're a creative, you probably don't. This is equivalent to laying out your clothes to work out in the morning. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. And Let's I make know, this easier. Right. And not all creatives operate this by nature of just how your brain works. If you're one of the, you know, what is it? Right brain, left brain. Mm-hmm. However, there is a place where you just say, okay, I'm going to make it easier for myself. Yes. And so, so when I do have that space, um, I do, or, you know, if, if it's one of those things with the writers who might be listening, I've been known to say, okay, that's how I wrote my, my, um, my first book. I was working full time and I would literally just write on the weekend. So I would, um, write it in my head all while I was driving at a job that I was driving all the time. And then by the time the weekend came, but my husband would, we would literally schedule out time and we had a toddler and we, we would just plan our week toward that endeavor. Yeah. Um, and so boils down to being intentional. Yeah. Being intentional and investing preparation so that when you sit there to really invest the time, it just, there's less roadblocks. Yeah. Yeah. That's really great. You know, um, so you you said a lot of things that I want to touch on, but um, I was talking to Revival Living. It was also a mini episode, so go to Patreon. But um, they were talking about, I said, what's a misconception? 
what's a common misconception about what you do? And they said, we work hard. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't just show up magically and, yeah. know what to do with the space. We draw it out. We pray over it. Like, this is laborious. And I thought that was such an important thing to say because so many people think, oh, well, I can't do that. That just comes naturally right. to her. Right. Because we're not seeing underpinnings, because we're not looking at first drafts. Yeah. And so that's one thing that I try to be really clear about. I work hard. I am a perfectionist. I'm a technician. Yeah. Um, um, now, that being said, I think that in giving people permission is to let go of that slick finish. Just get something down. So for mm-hmm. me, writing, I wrote my book during nap times. Yeah. And it was really kind of one line at a time. I did not sit down and think, okay, I got to finish a chapter to, you know. No, just get some words down. Make a paragraph better. So right. manageable chunks, I think, yeah. is, is really important. Yeah, um, I agree. And the other thing that, that I would just add to what you were saying is that analysis can lead to paralysis. Mm-hmm. Like we can sit and think something to death and it just makes us not do anything. Right. Like we can, if we're, if we're trying to write a book, well then we can look at the top of this mountain book, book mountain. <laughs> we can look at the top of this book mountain and we can't, we won't take one step because we're too busy staring at the top. And so if we could just look around instead. Oh, it's very intimidating. Intimidating. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's what I found. So, you know, in art or in writing, or in interior design, or in if you're a teacher, um, I mean, look at look at teachers. They have their their lesson plan. Mm-hmm. They don't just show up and just throw whatever on the on the whiteboard for yeah. the kids. Um, for me, what I've really been learning, I went to that writing conference this summer, and I've learned the importance of a, just an outline. But again, don't overthink it. Give yourself enough room to move the parts and pieces around. Yeah. But st- uh, for me, starting with something is an outline yeah. because I could get caught up in that perfect vision ending and um and then forget where I was going with it. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, it really depends on where your brain is. Like if you're an overthinker, you got to teach yourself to stop, you know. Yeah. So, okay, one last question yeah. before we lead people to where they can find you. But this is just a fun easy question. When and where do you get your ideas? Um, a lot of time while I'm driving. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's because I can, I just cultivated that time early on, uh, because I used to just be in my car all the time for work, mm-hmm. um, driving, but then I'll forget. Mm-hmm. And so I've, um, I need to do better about maybe even the voice app, but, uh-huh. um, I've been trying to capture like even just notes on my phone and capture those ideas. I think that is hugely important. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we think we're going to remember them oh my gosh. and we don't, especially when you get older. I mean, so, it, it, I used to remember everything. <laughs> I literally used to remember an entire chapter that I wrote in my book, yeah. essentially you know. to then go type up that weekend. Yeah. Not anymore. Yeah. Um, especially because I think that what's around us, how are just all the stimulation around us and things that, that grab our right. attention. Right. We're consumers. We're, we're so much more even than 10 years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, writing in the my, I get mine, like, just as I'm falling asleep. Oh, I'm oh, right mercy. at the edge of sleep. Oh. And it's terrible. I think it's, I, you know what I think it is? I think it's a release. Mm-hmm. Like, the, I'm just not critical. Mm-hmm. And so I get really ide- really good ideas when I'm not critical. Mm-hmm. And so then I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. And I know that I'll wake myself up if I get up to write right. this down. I'll remember. I'll remember. I never don't. do. Yeah. My most brilliant Such a bummer. Yeah. are just lost. But I would just be too, to like, too, like, I would just be too afraid that I would lose sleep. 
Right. I'm such a sleep idol. I know. It's like create or sleep. sleep. Create or sleep. I mean, luckily he gave us a good ratio for this. It's six to one, right? (laughs) Six days of creating, one day of sleep. That's funny. Maybe you could figure out a place like to get yourself to that more meditative, Mm -hmm. quiet space. Good idea. Yeah. Um, I am a yoga instructor. um, Yes. (laughs) Get yourself in a downward dog. (laughs) I also get really good ideas um, while running. Okay. So you think I'd want to do it more. Is that repetitive? I don't know. I think it's desperate. (laughs) Something else to think about than the pain. I think I'm so needy on the Lord that he's yeah, like, yeah, here, yeah. have some inspiration. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll give you just a little pep in your step. Well, okay, where do we find you? How do we do all the things that Sarah Martin, whether it's your book, your Bible studies? Yeah, us. so lately I spent a lot of time on Instagram. So Sarah with an H, F as in Francis, Sarah F. Martin. Um, on Instagram, and I just invite you to check out what I've got, just what I post. Um, I'm not ready to launch it yet, um, but I do these series of Bible study type discipleship tools called The Vibrant Life. Um, my whole goal is to encourage people to seek after this vibrant life in the presence of God, and I just am passionate about giving people the tools to study the Word for themselves and to come into this full relationship where they go from blah faith to vibrant faith in mm-hmm. a vibrant life. So um, I do these e- email series, like devotional type. They're not really devotionals. They're not really Bible studies. It's like this mixture of both where you do find tools to get in the Word for yourself. And you get a little bit of encouragement from me. So um, I do these uh, quarterly, and I'm actually going to launch a workshop in the in the new year. So you can keep an eye out for that. Great. What about your book? Yeah, so I have so my my latest book, and girl, I gotta stop calling latest book because it's five years old now. I just (laughs) it's not latest anymore, but it's called Just Rise Up: A Call to Make Jesus Famous, and that one is a Bible study, verse by verse through Psalm one forty five, about living a life of of praise with a humble posture before the Lord, seeking after kingdom perspective and influencing others to do the same. So. That's on Amazon. Yeah, that's the easiest place to get it there. So, yeah. Thank you, Sarah. I feel like in so many instances, we are far larger, far better, far more creative than we ever even know. And we can be blind to our own gifts. So cheerleaders are important. Yeah. And I thank you for being a cheerleader in my life and for showing up to events when you could easily be home instead. And I want to be a cheerleader for you, too. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. My best friend and I certainly don't have all the answers, but that's never stopped us when it comes to matters of the heart from trying to comprehend, evaluate, analyze, apply, and synthesize. Wait, is that Bloom's taxonomy? I knew we were onto something. This is me, my best friend Kristen, and your questions. Hi, Beefy! Hi, Beefy, what you doing? Well, we're here to talk about creativity and art, your very favorite topic. <laughs> the last time we had this conversation for the podcast, you were insisting that you were not an artist. Do you still feel that way, Beef? I do. <laughs> I mean, it's complicated because I just, conventional artsy things are hard for me. Um, I see that through my daughter. She loves all things beautiful and all things creative. We were at Michael's just last weekend and she is like pouring through pages yeah. and pages and pages of scrapbook paper and um, I'm like twitching and wondering how much longer we have to be there. Oh my gosh. She and Amelia could go nuts in a Hobby Lobby. Amelia 
is like roaming down the aisles of a Hobby Lobby singing Toto. I bless the rain. <laughs> she loves it. She's in heaven. Yeah. Unfortunately, I feel like I just tend to suck the fun out of typical artsy things. Oh, no, you don't that much. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I can't even watch a movie all the way. <laughs> um, but I do feel like this is a good reframe for me. There's, there's something about the art of paying attention and, or the art of noticing um, and just recognizing beauty that occurs and, and attending to it. Ew, I love that. Maybe, maybe you were trying to make it too hard before by like insisting yeah. watching movies or insisting on a <laughs> rat paper or whatever. But this is so simple. Right, right. What do you, what do you about you? Do you feel like more of an artist with less caveats now? Well, I get paid in quarters, so yes. <laughs> um, okay, here's our listener question. She says this. She says, I consider myself a creative, but I've been going through some really hard life situations, and they seem to be taking all that I've got. I really feel like I'm in a rut. And I know that producing something would make me feel better and would potentially help me turn a corner. Do you have any advice? Mm. Um, first of all, I'm so sorry about, um, the things that you're carrying, um, as far as how it affects suffering affects creativity. There's this Western idea that, uh, you know, creativity or art comes from suffering, but then there's this Eastern idea that creativity and art come from balance and, you know, being well-adjusted and things like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I think the answer to that's always both, but, um, I would, do I have any advice? No, I just am praying with you and for you. But I guess what I mean is, I, I think it's a, here, I, if I had any advice, it would just be this. I think it's a good time to just collect and lead right. and gather and jot down and, and write down your prayers. You know, right now is time to just feel your feelings. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I feel like that's kind of what we talked about before. And I, absolutely get the question because I feel like I've been in a um, heavy year and I feel like I'm just trying to slow down and notice what I'm going through and just recognize all the components of, um, of the picture that I'm living in and just recognize um, all the pieces around me. Yeah. You know, I, um, there's this moment, I don't know how well this relates or if it does at all, but it came to mind um, while you were talking beef, but um, I, had my babies um, without any pain meds, which is a blessing. Not everybody gets to do it that way or even wants to do it that way. Yeah. <laughs> but I did. And um, there comes this moment and maybe it's this way with any kind of delivery, but there comes this moment where you kind of get the person closest to you and it doesn't really matter who it can be, your husband, it can be your beef. It could be your mother-in-law. It could be the nurse, but you get them in your clutches and you kind of have this, like this grab, into their face that says, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. and, and the Holy Spirit gives that person in your claws the same words every time. And it's, you are doing it. Like, this mm -hmm. is it, you know? And so is it right. beautiful? No, it's not. I think we rush to make things beautiful all the time. Right. And, you know, we just talked in this episode about underpinnings. And so I don't, we just don't need to strong arm beauty. It will come, but right now it just is what it is. And it might be terrible, <laughs> but just, let's just lean right, in right. and the art may come later. It's good. It's good. I'm pretty wise beefinator. 
oh, I don't know, just trying to be the best artist I can be. <laughs> <A lot of work. laughs> it doesn't come natural. All right, I love you, Beef. Thanks a lot. Love you. I've never met anyone like Mary. Well, technically I've never met Mary. You see we're internet friends, but don't let that fool you. This internet connection runs deep. Mary is so many things all at the same time. With one sentence, she can make me laugh, cry, think, and deeply, deeply feel. There's just something about Mary. You'll see. I have long thought of creativity as being similar to, and as important as, breathing. You take in the world and exhale art, whether it's music or painting or dancing or writing. But as I've mentioned before, I've been struggling with depression and anxiety lately, and they have squashed my ability to write and to create. So what do you do when you keep inhaling, but you can't exhale? I've discovered two things that help. One is taking in more of other people's creations. Reading, admiring art, watching dancing, all these help. It's not the same as creating myself, but it's like wearing a snorkel. The air is a bit stale, but I can still breathe. The other thing is realizing when I'm creating, even though it isn't technically art. We all make things every day, even if it's just a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. When performed with gratitude and wonder, I mean, can you believe we have things like baked sliced bread and jars of peanut butter at our fingertips? These tiny, seemingly artless creations can offer a breath of fresh air. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour Dear God, you are our source. We might long to live lives of influence, as pioneers or trailblazers, as artists. But our only job is to offer up our yes as our creative response to the love that you gave first. What comes next, God, is your job, and we trust you. With that in place, we pray for fresh anointings, new revelations. Please plant ideas in our hearts and our minds that bring glory to your name. We are here to be vessels for your kingdom. And you work best with flawed, mistake-prone people. So please, God, help us to be gentle with ourselves and others as we do our best to experiment with what you have given us. Your power, your strength. Your grace is more prominent when we are weak. Highlight your greatness in us, Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And for this episode, a special thank you to Sarah Martin. You can follow her on Instagram at Sarah F. Martin and grab a copy of her book on Amazon, Just Rise Up, A Call to Make Jesus Famous. Thank you to Pamela Anthony Cutright and Chen Redfield for music. Thank you to Kristen Kelly and Mary Bishop. For more of Mary's writing, head to madeforordinarytime.wordpress.com. Sinner Saint Sister now has a Patreon page. Please consider supporting Sinner Saint Sister by searching for Allison Sullivan on patreon.com. Many episodes are now only available for patrons. Send us your questions at sinnersaintsister at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at Allison M. Sully. Don't forget to review, like, and subscribe, and tune in next week.